Welcome to the final HLS recap podcast of this 2020 season. I'm your host, Ryan Ritter. You can call me NB Tex. And, well, typically always, you can mostly find us over on twitch.tv slash Suns, but you can definitely always find us over at the podcast feeds over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you happen to find your podcast feeds at make sure to join us over at discord at her slash discord and of course you can always find us at our home at her and yes again i have no computer parts no streaming setup so shane once again we're, we're kicking it old school man yeah it feels like the old 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 days i mean just i i i, I can feel myself in a closet right now <laughs> oh man i you forgot know? about those yeah. oh yeah, yeah i was i was uh i had a much different setup back in those days uh i like to think i've gotten better at it but uh i think we all know better than that uh, <laughs> but, but anyways yes this is the final podcast of of at least this season there will probably be some off-season content i need to get computer parts and stuff first and maybe reorganize yeah. a few things before we start thinking of that but really shane it's time to to put a bow on the season and i swear i was almost thinking it's like man was 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 the national title game really just this past monday was it really just a week ago feels <laughs> feels much longer than that but uh yeah alabama took it to uh, a very familiar score for the texas a&m aggies 52 to 24 um <laughs> it just it, it wasn't even close and uh man all of a sudden brian kelly's tirades uh sound a lot more prevalent now and and every notre dame fan on twitter is like yeah fucking told you so yeah, they sound more relevant. I mean, they don't sound any less petulant, but you know what I mean? Like, the, they still sound like they they hold more weight. It's just, yeah, I, it, it, I, I can take a second to, to, to veer this towards the fact that Notre Dame deserved more credit for than, than, than they got for, you know, their result against Alabama. But the fact of the matter is, is that, I mean, you can look back at it and, and smell the fact that Alabama just let up on them because what they did. I mean, to Ohio State, after Ohio State tried to, you know, really make a statement out of what they did to Clemson, who, you know, what they did to what they did to Notre Dame, like transitive property in terms of dominance, like what they did in terms of actually sending a message about get the fuck out of here. You don't belong was was um, yeah, it was emphatic, uh, consistent. I mean, it was pretty much the same theme they followed all year. And I think the. The bottom line is we should all be thankful, uh, especially us Notre Dame fans, that uh, they let us off easy because that's how it feels. <laughs> it really does. I mean, it's just it, it's unbelievably crazy how kind of everything, you know, w- rolled out, because for, for me, the 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 moment of the game for me where it was just all this shit is is woefully unfair was you know Devonta Harris uh, uh excuse me Devonta Smith I'm I'm mixing up yeah. all kinds of names now uh, with Najee Harris uh, Devonta Smith uh, goes out uh, it looks like uh, I, I forgot what the injury is he probably broke a thumb or something like that at the very least dislocated it he's out for the game Waddle is is clearly waddling if you will I mean the dude didn't look 100 percent in any way shape or form. <laughs> 
Mac Jones uh-huh. got beat up like crazy. And, you know, Najee Harris, you know, was if he's not really the biggest passing attack threat, but all of a sudden when they're in the red zone, they, they throw out this, this kid called Slade Bolden. <laughs> and he yeah. just catches a touchdown. Like it's nothing. First touch of the game walks into the end zone. Okay. This is bullshit. Like really? Yep. Yep. <sighs> yep. It was, it was just, I mean, there, there were, there, there probably could have been, I don't know, seven players on the field that never saw a snap all year and the game wouldn't have been a different result. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it just felt like Alabama really had nothing but um, dominance in their pocket. I mean, they, they, it, it wasn't anything, but 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 an NFL caliber uh, squad exercising all of its 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 tools while you know making sure everybody got some reps. It, it just didn't feel like much of a of a title game at at all. Um, it was a coronation honest, ceremony. Was what it was. Yeah, it was a coronation ceremony. It, it, it just kind of. It was just kind of one of those inevitable inevitable things where at the end of the day, everyone really knew that the focus would be. Wow, Nick Saban has seven fucking titles. Like, Jesus Christ! Like, holy shit! Right? Like, do did, did anyone remember in two thousand seven feeling like this could happen? Because I sure didn't. But like, I I, I just it, it really ultimately the real feeling for me was about halftime when I was kind of thankful that Alabama took any um air of mystique out of the fucking room um, and, and ensured or, or, or make sure that the message was clear that they weren't going to be keeping this interesting. I just kind of found myself more than relieved, just like really like thankful that this season is over because dude, like <laughs> can Even we Nick Saban just, was cracking smiles, man. I mean, he, yeah, he I'm, looked thankful I'm just that it so was over. glad we're stopping playing this sport because God, we don't need to do this right now. We need to, everyone, everyone needs to get vaccinated. We all need to stay the fuck home to, to give us as much of a chance to have a normal fucking year this year. Um, and, and I'm so glad that it's over right now and that we ha- we can start the year without this sport continuing to roll. Yeah, and I know uh, uh, one of the reporters uh, at Tolly, who's who's a local beat, and he's been covering a lot of COVID nineteen stuff. Uh, put out a tweet about the COVID dashboard, and, and I think that set it home for me. It was like, oh fuck, yeah, that's right. The students are coming back in the midst right. of all this crap, and and holy crap, how's the vaccination stuff going to work? Um, and yeah, it's there's so many more important things going on. Um, it was uh, the season overall was a fun distraction. It went far better than. I know certainly I thought it would have sure. gone. Um, I was, you know, and I was the one that said, I think we should, you know, Notre Dame should just say, hey, no, no, thank you. We're good. Um, you know, I, yeah. and I, if you ask me gun to my head, am I glad that they didn't do it? Um at this point in time right now, I'd be like, yeah, I'm glad we had the season. We had November 7th and that was awesome. Um, but what I'm hoping and, and the part that still sits in the back of my mind is, is there any long-term effects that any of these guys are going to have from trying to do this bullshit? And that, that's the part that frightens me because I don't want to hear, you know, it's like, um, CTE, you know, where, where you hear all these old time NFL players and college players, you know, uh, having massive amounts of brain damage damage because they people just didn't you know realize hey knocking your head around is probably bad for your health and yeah you know that 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 that's my worry i hope nothing comes of it and we get treatments and stuff along those lines and understand more about it to where it's not a big idea but that's what sticks in the back of my mind throughout this whole exercise right now yeah yeah i totally get it i mean ultimately 
you know, we're we're all going to look back at some point and probably uh, re-examine how this season was handled because it just feels like, you know, we, we, we it, it feels like we got away with some shit that we probably shouldn't have. So, right. yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just glad it's over. Yeah, same. And and really, I mean, a big picture, I mean, as far as, you know, and not big COVID-19 picture, uh, but big picture as far as like where Notre Dame is in the college football world right now. Um, You know, Brian Kelly, it it was interesting. I I had to catch up late on podcasts and and to hear everybody kind of react. You know, for them, it was the day after or the night of reacting to Brian Kelly's little tirade. Uh, Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like getting to see it in hindsight uh, a week plus later uh, after Alabama dominates. But man, yeah. You, you know, you could see where the frustration was coming from, right? It's like everybody kind of saw the writing on the wall and that, hey, this is an everybody problem. And it, until really Saban decides to go fucking retire or or pull an Urban Meyer and decide that he's going to go to the NFL and maybe Saban tries to take another crack at it. I, I don't see this changing because the recruiting class that they got this past season is reportedly even better than this senior class that had multiple Heisman contenders on the roster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like, you know, you, you, you have to feel good about where the program's heading, but you also have to recognize that Notre Dame is in that place where, um, I'm trying to think of a good analogous program here to look at. Maybe it maybe was Oklahoma before the arrival, um, Really before, no, really right at the end of the Bob Stoops era. Okay. It, it was like, it's like Oklahoma was really just a truly elite quarterback away from being constantly in the mix. I mean, they, they, they had, they had a couple of, of, of consistent years. They were, but they were always that 10 win program. It was just, it's the same way Oklahoma felt up until, up until the end of Bob Stoops's you know, tenure there. And then, then they suddenly switch over uh, and they, you know, they have Lincoln Riley and now they're a quarterback factory, if you will. It's, it's where Notre Dame is now. They're never going to be that over the hump until all the pieces fall into place. Like they have, you know, the recruiting starts to really come to fruition because now they have a lot to build on, you know, two playoff trips since 2018 is definitely nothing to fucking, you know, to scoff at. But, you know, once they get all that in motion and then land that fucking next level QB, then, then, and only then will this will become something where it's like, they, they won't just show up to the playoffs. They're going to mix shit up in the playoffs. So right. I, I just feel, you know, I, I feel like, all that being said, there was a really good hire that took place. If that's the goal, am I right? Yeah, <laughs> and I think now's a good time to transition over to talking about Marcus Freeman uh, yeah. because he was. I mean, if there was a one A, you got to go get a guy as far as defensive coordinators that you could go get to replace really anybody. It was yep. Marcus Freeman. I mean, they had uh, the final. Um, S and P plus, or, or really the the F plus, which includes F FEI ratings too, uh, has Cincinnati as the number three defense in the nation, uh, as far yeah. as what Marcus Freeman has done, and, and you just have to have a pair of eyeballs to watch what Cincinnati did. Sure, they were playing in in the American Conference, but you know. Marcus Freeman, especially if you consider from a Notre Dame perspective, he has to play Navy all the time. So he's dealt yep. with the triple option. He has to deal with high, high octane offenses that try to, you know, spread the ball out, try to take deep shots. So it's all the concepts 
that you wanted a defensive coordinator, really, you know, for modern football as well. And that's why LSU was knocking on the door as well. And and honestly, as soon as I heard LSU was sniffing around, I'm like, oh, fuck, man, they're just going to yep. they're going to back up the Brinks truck. And it, it's going to be Aranda all over again. Right. They're, they're just going to give them an Aranda deal. like, tell us how much it costs to get you here because we're done with this Bo Pelini BS. You're the guy. And right. lo and behold, Notre Dame was the one that landed him. They knew they couldn't lose out on him. And, you know, this is one to where, you know, it's hard to project where any coordinator lands, but any, any time, any podcast I've heard, any article, people inside and outside of the Notre Dame bubble, it's like, how can this one possibly go wrong? And it's weird to have that kind of feeling for a Notre Dame assistant hire, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're in an era where, I mean, not, 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 it's not for nothing. We're, there's a, there's a conditioning aspect of that where, you know, it's very common to see the, the latest regime since the title era of, of Notre Dame football, uh, really struggle to land those, you know, slam dunk hires. And I think it all started with the Urban Meyer swing and a miss. Yes. Um, you know, since then it's been pretty consistent that I think a lot of head coach candidates and other coordinator candidates followed suit in his example where they were like, well, let's give it a real strong consideration because it makes other offers much, much, much more competitive and therefore more lucrative but let's not go through with it because Notre Dame is such a fucking difficult place to be at that was always the perception and now it's it's you know Brian Kelly did take a long fucking time but I think you know we would all contently agree that it's been worth it it's taken a long time to build that consistent trust from the outside perspective looking in to say yeah Brian Kelly has his shit together and I, if I join this program I'm, I'm going to be set up for fucking success yeah. um, so and, yeah Mark and, and Freeman and, did and, it and that's really the big difference right now that Clark Lee you know got the Vanderbilt job the, the yeah. Brian Kelly coaching tree hasn't really been impressive in any way shape or form right it's been a bunch no. of it's been a bunch of lateral moves and, and Notre Dame had one of those happen to them and you know, burnouts yeah, yeah, you have burnouts, lateral moves, you know, people just going, hey, you know, I'm going to take a pay raise and go coach safeties at Texas instead of Notre Dame and, you know, collective shrug, right? Who, who really cares about moves like that? Uh, uh-huh. But now, you know, that, you know, once Elko jumped ship and, and he made a lateral move for the pay grade, uh, but yeah. then all of a yeah. sudden his protege, Clark Lee, uh, knocks it out of the park and then gets himself a head coaching job within three yep. years. And that's yep. apparently what, what Marcus Freeman likely is the career path that he would like to take too. He would like yeah. to get a head coaching job too. And, and now people are seeing Notre Dame as the place to do it. And, and when I sat back, it's like, okay, let's look big picture at what Brian Kelly is doing with these coordinator spots, right? He, he decided to, to go ahead and promote Tommy Rees. And, and, and obviously yeah. that's, that's a bringing somebody up in the career. That's having like your, your, your fingerprints all over a product. Right. So you kind of see that's where Tommy wants to go. That's where Clark Lee ended up getting to. He went from coaching linebackers, DC to going. I I mean, you have freaking Elliot over here on the defensive line. That's like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm good. I I see what's going on. I'm fine. It's such a crazy situation. To, to have this working out and you can kind of see the things that are, are trademarks of elite and stable elite programs, maybe starting to take root over in South Bend. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we, we also shouldn't forget about, I mean, but Brian Kelly's done this before Bob Diaco went through a very similar path, you know? I, I mean, he, he went from 
coaching that 2012 defense to his first head coaching job. I mean, we're we're going to have to throw him in the category of like quote unquote failures in terms of that level, but he's still in the coaching game. You know, he hasn't left uh, the division one level. I mean, it's, it's just now, now that Brian Kelly has the results, you know, the, the consistent level of results, you know, both on the field and within the program, like it's, it's easy to sell, you know, and you get a, a, a phenomenal, like once in a lifetime kind of, you know, circumstantial hire like Clark Lee, who falls kind of into your fucking lap. Um, and sheds himself of the dead weight of his own, you know, superior Mike Elko, who decided to go elsewhere and, and ended up working out for the best. I, I, you would be crazy, I think, in, in Marcus Freeman's position not to take that and say, OK, this is clearly the, the situation where not only will I, my defenses have a, a guaranteed level of eyeball exposure at all times, but we're going to be able to play at a, at a level of competition where I can make big, big time programs and offenses and these firepower, uh, these high firepower offenses across from across the country look like dog shit and promote myself to not a fucking Vanderbilt. But like we can start, you know, who the fuck knows? We can start at a, you know, a second tier level like a Nebraska when Scott fucking Frost shit like, expires. Because I mean, <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty evident that I mean, you know, we're we're running into a place where. You know, we we we're all we all remember that little cycle where um, you know Justin Fuente was hired at Virginia Tech and Scott Frost hopped over to Nebraska. Where there was a lot of like new hope, new fresh, new toy looks to these coaches. Where well, I mean, you know, we already saw it with Tom Herman. Like that era is pretty much over. So a lot of those coaches are on their last legs in terms of their current seats. There's going to be a big fat turnover again at, at during or at the end of next season. Who's to say that Marcus Freeman can't start working towards his next audition? And I don't know, we can get a year, maybe two. I mean, we're at the point now where players can transfer at, at fucking will after a will after a year. I don't see why coordinators don't start to think the same way when they realize that in 2021, the way to gain money, I mean, the way millennials fucking do it isn't by staying at companies for 15 years anymore. My yeah, dude. it doesn't it's work anymore, hopping, right? <laughs> it's hopping from company to company every year and a half to two, and you start inflating. That's how you, you know, that's how they climb the ladder faster. I mean, it's 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 going to be the same in the college football landscape. So I feel like this is this is a prime marriage of circumstance for two programs looking for the exact or two 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 parties looking for the exact same thing within the same program. Yeah. And you can bide your time, right? It's not like right. that you feel like you're going to be wasting away at Notre Dame by any stretch of the imagination. Nope. You still have a, a, you know, that looks great on the resume. And really that's what Clark Lee did. I mean, we've always been worried about him going to Vanderbilt and then finally the job came open and Hey, the, the, basically he got what he wanted. He wanted yeah. that job to open. He wanted to be the guy and Vanderbilt wanted him to be the guy. And there you go. And he got to bide his time at Notre Dame and they fired yeah. Derek Mason earlier that we might be having a completely different conversation about the defensive coordinator position, uh, even in 2020, I mean, we have sure. no idea what we could be looking at. So, um, <clears throat> Things uh, move quick in college football, to say the least. Oh, but yeah. it, it was really nice to see Notre Dame kind of be, you know, at the top of their game again. And, you know, they have made it known that they're not going to play, you know, just do straight up monopoly money or act like they got Phil Knight's checkbook over it. Oregon just paying bukus of money to to anybody that wants it. 
but somehow they're able to put together a compensation package that's now competitive on the level with the elite programs that you're worried about, like LSU, like, you know, the SEC, right. you know, powerhouses. And, and some of that may be because he wanted to hang around the Midwest, which, you know what? That's also a sign of Notre Dame isolating the right people and finding the right fits. They've had to do that in recruiting a bunch. You know, we're, we're recruiting Georgia now a lot heavier than we did Florida. There's reasons for that. They found better fits yep. for whatever reason in the state of Georgia than they have in the state of Florida. So you you go you go and stick with that pipeline. You just got to find a way to make things work. And I think right now, you know, whatever Brian Kelly did in those yoga sessions after 2016 <laughs> has given him the, the clairvoyance uh, and the clarity to find things that work it. out a hell of a lot better. You remember our season with Notre Dame, man? How long ago oh, that fucking God. feels like? Holy shit. <laughs> uh. Never let a camera crew that much access again. That was clearly bad Not luck. when Brian Van Gorder's on your fucking staff, <laughs> man. Jesus Christ. What's wrong oh with you? Oh, my God. Well, it wasn't just that. You had the injuries. I mean, it, it was a, a fucking nightmare and a half. It's just not good. We don't <laughs> the, the, the The public at large does not need to see all the fucking dirty details, okay? <laughs> all right. <sighs> well, uh, let's move on to a little bit of roster talk because it, it, it was crazy how fast and furious the news came because usually yeah. we're waiting. We, we're waiting around a long time for some of these decisions, and we figured we'd have to wait around even longer since everybody kind of, you know, has a mulligan. You know, if, mm-hmm. if they want to take it, um, not really. So this time around, um, let's start with the biggest news as far as people coming into Notre Dame, because it, of course, affects the position that everybody has the most scrutiny over at Notre Dame. And that is the quarterback position. Yeah. And Jack Cohen who formerly of the Wisconsin Badgers will get to face off with his former teammates possibly next year because he is hopping over to the Irish. And you know what? Uh, I mean, I, I got to watch him a little bit. It's not like he was somebody I tuned in for specifically. He yeah. is a decent passer. He's fairly accurate. When you look at his stat lines and his game logs against top teams, and, and you know, I'm talking about like Ohio State. I'm talking about you know playing Oregon, um, those type games. You know, he's performed. Eh. I mean, he didn't have much lighting up, uh, but he really didn't light it up much at all with the Wisconsin offense. He barely had any 300-yard games, so wasn't no. asked to do much, but when he was, it the ball got to the right spot, and honestly, I think that's really what Notre Dame was looking for because the only other person you might have hoped to steal was Ritter over from Cincinnati, but either uh-huh. we were afraid of Cincinnati coming to kill us all for taking all their fun toys, uh, yeah. but I think Ritter kind of wanted to hang it out at, at Cincinnati for one more year personally but um it's it's about as good as you can get it stabilizes the qb room and you know shane at least the way i see it you're hoping that cohen is kind of that veteran leadership presence that that known quantity perhaps when you have the big unknown of tyler buckner coming in that that elite recruit that we're hoping is that guy that qb that you talked about at the beginning of the show we're hoping he's it but this guy didn't get to play football last year so right, right. that's a little scary <laughs> to come and yeah, adjust to I college mean, football after not playing for a full year. Yeah, it's a scary it's a scary period. But I think I mean, at this point, you, you know, he at least has starting experience exactly. you know, with, uh, within a program where it's not just, you know, you know, quarterbacks are not necessarily Wisconsin's forte per se, but it's not exactly, you know, no, a scrub program either. Now, to me, it, it makes perfect sense because I mean, like. 
who more to fill in the void of, you know, trustworthy, you know, predictable, but also under like trustworthy, you know, just a consistent quarterback play than, you know, the current college equivalent to a Tommy Reese type for Tommy. I mean, like John, Jack Cohen or is it Cohen? Cohen? I can't really tell. Cohen or Cohen. Okay. Cohen. Jack Cohen, like he, he, he elicits to me the exact same feeling you should remember in 2011 that you, we probably, you all felt, or we all felt when Tommy Reese actually stepped into games, right? When he was playing. Mm -hmm. It was you. You didn't look at him and think, "Today's the fucking day, bitches." Five hundred yards, <laughs> right? Exactly. No, <laughs> you thought, "God, I hope we don't lose by four or by ten or by six or by three. God, I hope we just win by one. You know, like that was really all you wanted was just the game to be managed to the hopeful, it hoped and desired results of a W. Uh, that's kind of what Jack Cohen feels like. His presence is. For right now. Yeah, Tyler Buckner is coming in, but the dude also didn't play, you know, exactly. this entire year. Right. So you don't know shit about shit. Like nobody knows shit about shit. So we, you know, we're all basically thinking, I can see the thinking is Tommy Reese wants to bring in himself into the program to do what he himself did for Brian Kelly's program at the time. It was like, please just don't let us bleed out. Just stay here and win more games than you're expected to. Okay, like, let's see what you can do. Yeah. Um, And and I also like it from this perspective, Shane, is that, um, you know, you could you absolutely could go through this path and and people have suggested it. Just let Tyler Buckner go. Just let him just let him figure it out. You know, run him out there, you know, forgetting, you know, everything that happened to Jimmy Clausen when we tried that with him. It's like, yeah, just 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 go in and, and, and do the rebuilding thing. Well, here's the thing. I think what Notre Dame has realized as a program uh, and that in order to compete, you need to try to try your damnedest to win every game. I mean, you, you got to go for it. You you can't just sit around and say, you know what? We're going to take a mulligan this year because that ain't going to play on the recruiting trail. You're going to get higher attrition than you need to have on your team because you're like, I, I got a finite amount of time. I want to compete, especially if the NCAA, you know, yes, they could transfer a will. They still have to sit out a year, but very soon in the future, we may see, hey, that year requirement set out may go bye-bye. I mean, the NCAA is right. already close to that point anyway with all these waivers, at least I kind of feel like. And it feels like that's a dead man walking rule to me. Like that, Eventually, it's going to happen at some point. But I think Notre Dame realizes that you got to give yourself the best chance to win. And honestly, you know, we've seen that from Brian Kelly. I think he learned a lot in, in really fucking around with the quarterback position in 2016 and not making up his mind. And here it is. Yep. I'm, I'm going to give me who has gives me the best chance to win. And then as soon as I think that person does not give me the best chance to win, I'm going to yank him. And, and that's on. just the way it's going to be. That's what happened yeah. with Ian Book and Brandon Wimbush. And, and like flat out, Wimbush is like, he gives me the best chance to beat Michigan and hopefully the rest of the season. And then it was clear. It's like, this guy's not going to take us where we need to go. Ian, you're ready. It's your turn. So that's what I see this being here. Like at, at some point, you hope in the middle of the season, you, you know, Brian Kelly walks up to the podium and was like, uh, yeah, Tyler's going to going to start this Saturday. And, and then we have the big, old, holy shit, it's happening type moment. Yeah, like, sure. 
And it'll be different than Ian book because it'll be like, really, Ian? Holy shit, Ian starting? Oh, my God, really? Is this going to work? I mean, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. And lo and behold, he becomes the winningest QB at all fucking time at Notre Dame. So so now you're just hoping that Tyler gets to learn. Uh, Both these guys get to, you know, knock the rust off in their respective. Like, Like you said, you know, both these guys have not played which is a little concerning, but at least one does right. have college experience. And that's really what you got to lean on because, you know, no, no offense to, to Drew Pine, but I don't think anybody thinks he's going to do it. And that's just the reality of the situation. And you can't fuck around <sighs> in college football. You've got to be it's, decisive. I think it's important. It's not necessarily the reality. It's currently the perception of the situation is that Drew Pine is not it. But I mean, like, look, I, I would be, you know, happier than a pig and shit to be proven wrong. I would Uh-oh. love for the fall season to roll around and they'd be like, hey, um, low-key rumbles on the Irish Illustrated podcast right now is that fucking Drew Pine is going to tear ass up. I'd be like, hey, I'm here for it. Great. You know, sorry for Jack Cohen. Hopefully he can get some reps, but like, I'm here for it. Like, but if that's not the case, man, then yeah, I want Tyler Buckner to at least have the time to to learn while also not having the program, you know, implode around him for that that period of time. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it's a smart move. I think it's a stable move. And, and you know, I, I think really Notre Dame's created an atmosphere of, hey, you know, we're making moves because we need to. That's what we're going to do as coaches. U.S. players come execute, come prove us wrong or prove us yep. right, uh, wh- whatever the case may be. But um like I, I know there's people that kind of tear their hair out of why is this person playing? Why isn't this person playing? Typically there's a reason and yeah. we, we've kind of seen it pan out. So uh, hopefully it ends up working out. Um, and yeah, well, hopefully we get spring football. That's actually what I'm hoping for. Yeah. I think that's what we really need is a spring season to it'll make it fun. There's there's literal intrigue actual this time. I hope of we like, get <laughs> spring season football uh, with the vaccinations a plenty asterisk. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yes, I, I would. I would love to be there. I'm. I got about forty thousand people in front of me right now on the on the wait list, Shane. So yep, that's, that's where I mean, I'm at. Yes, same. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about some of the other roster moves. Uh, let's go ahead and, and and I guess veer as far into to negativity as we can. Yeah, let's get them out of the we, way. If we so wish, uh, because these are the people that uh, decided that they're going to hit the transfer portal. Uh, some of these are grad transfers. Uh, some of them okay. are not. Uh, I'm just going down a list here uh, of, of ones in front of me right now. Uh, uh, big, big, big uh, props to our, our friends at UHND.com for doing what I did not have time to do and make this nice and tidy. So thanks, boys. Who Appreciate does? it. Um, Houston Griffith, I, I don't think is, is a grad transfer. I don't think too much of a surprise. Um, just we kept waiting for him to, to really crack the two deep and never did. And said we got Sean Crawford moving back at safety. And I think that really was the writing on the wall for him. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I think he just it, it just it never seemed like he was taking a step forward. Even, you know, the few times that there were there were reports of his name in practice, even last year, it just never seemed to happen. So, no, it makes sense. Yeah, and uh, this this one I think raised the most eyebrows, especially because it's at a position of need, and I think everybody forgot that this guy came in as a four star recruit. Especially once our secondary got tortured, like, well, what, what the fuck? What's he doing sitting on the bench? And that's Isaiah Rutherford, and and again, he couldn't crack the two deep 
for whatever reason. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we kind of had some hair pull out moments with Tariq Bracey. Um, but you know, if, if you got hair pull out moment guys starting over you, there's probably a reason for it. And when a true freshman is starting over you, there's Definitely. probably a reason for it. And, and I think this is another one where he could have probably found rotation and playing time, but said, no, nah, I'm good. And it is going to take a sure bet, which, you know what? I honestly like, don't, don't take that statement as, oh, he gave up. No, dude, if he wants to play, you got a finite amount of time, man. Go play. Yeah. <laughs> Go yeah. do it. Yeah. You, you, you got to do it where you can. It's, it's totally up to you. If they gave you the, the, the keys to have control so that you might as well exercise them. Yeah. And, and so th- this was surprising to me and and really kind of goes to what we we're talking about. Obviously, we're focused a lot, you know, on, on hitting in the QB and skill positions. But I, I think the same has very much been true, especially when we talk about uh, Griffith and Ru- Rutherford. I mean, these were two people that we expected uh, back when they were announced and, and recruiting. And you looked at the rankings it's like, oh, yeah, it's just a matter of time before, you know, they, they bolster up the ranks. And it just it never came about. And I don't know if that is a assistant coach type issue. Issue or a general I was gonna say, recruiting what coach issue? went to what coach went to coach yeah, at Texas now <laughs> interesting how how this this the the ship is essentially abandoned by all you know by all of its crew members and so this so, so does the captain I'm out Yes. Um, so very odd uh, to say the least, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, you, we got, we can't miss again. I, I mean, I think the the playoff run was abundantly clear. The next folks that come in, in the secondary, they got to hit. We, we are in yeah. desperate need of things hitting and we can't rely on another Nick McLeod uh, rolling in and, and helping bolster the ranks that way. No, we need to rely on the next Kyle Hamilton. That's what exactly. we want. Exactly. That's that's what we got to do. Uh, highly agree. Ovi Oguofu. Oguofu. God, I had that practice right. Something like that. I I actually practiced Ovi's name and I had it and now I've just botched it continuously. Uh, uh, but uh, we know who you're talking about. Yes, Ogofu. I'm pretty sure. And Ovi, I'm, I apologize. This is just me sucking. Uh, I mean, he he got a few snaps here and there. He probably would have had a, a rotational role. But again, it's hey, I I don't want to be too deep. Uh, he would like uh, Isaiah Foskey would probably start over him, and it's oh uh, God, I want to start myself again. Don't blame you, and he's going to take the grad transfer year. Um, yeah, I mean, he he didn't see Isaiah Foskey having you know a, a sack on like his first quarterback pressure. It, it, no one did, so it's it's just a certain it's a matter of circumstance and adjusting to where there's playing time. Go get yep. it. Uh, Jameer Smith, uh, he he actually, and, and again, this is one of those storylines because we we were so wrapped up in, in COVID and everything else that it almost flew under the radar that uh, Jameer decided to take a year off to address his mental health. And, oh, wow. and, and, um, I, I honestly forgot about it. I remember it happening at the time after I, I read this recap, I was like, Oh shit. Yeah, that did happen. So he took the year off. Um, I, I, and you know, he's looking at the running back depth chart in front of him. I think it's very obvious where that's going. It doesn't include him. So he is going to go elsewhere in a grad transfer. And, you know, above all else, I think if there was any year that you needed to opt out and take a step back to address your mental health, Oh boy, 20, 20 was it so that was it good mature call by jameer and hopefully uh the next chapter works out well for him i i think he he handled that about as well as he could have but you see this is this is why the system should be designed to allow players to transfer at will if you know at least one time like so that circumstances like this can be allowed for where 
they can take their opportunity to step away from the sport and not have it cost them their career. Right. You know? Yeah. So, um, you know, best of luck to him. Uh, Jafar Armstrong um, was a running back at Notre Dame, but if you read his announcement, he signed it as wide receiver, which is what he originally was when he first was recruited at Notre Dame. I think that's where he sees his future. Maybe uh, that's where draft analysis was showing and he's not going to crack the receiver core at Notre Dame. And so he's just going to hope he can break out somewhere else again. I think it's just. Go ahead. I think it's just a fr- it's a frame thing. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a long dude. I mean, it's it's going to be harder to to pack on the the size he would need onto that frame in the NFL to to be an effective running back. I think he recognizes that he's very much, you know, like a like Anquan Bolden's build was, you know, like yeah, it's, it's a good time for me. I'm in a good spot to go to wide receiver and at least give myself some draft stock. Uh, and the last scholarship player uh, that decided to hop into the transfer portal is Jack Lamb. Uh, somebody, again, uh, a fairly highly touted recruit uh, at linebacker and, and again, position of need. But he had some injuries and he just really never settled uh, in playing time. I think he definitely could have had a shot. But again, it's a could have. And, and I think at this point he is a grad transfer. So he's looking for the sure thing. You don't want to waste your last year, you know, kind of guessing and people coming back you got shane simon Morris lufau and jack kaiser all coming back next season right so, yeah you know, huge again, impact players yeah and and not to say that you know and, and i don't think lamb you know looks at that either and says well damn i don't know if i could crack that it's you know do i want to take that risk at least that's the way right. i always see it especially with the grad transfer so um one that you know hopefully it works out for him and, and injuries don't derail another season for him uh on top of that uh and then you have walk on uh colin uh grunhard uh that decide to hop in the transfer portal as well i am not going to pretend uh to act like i actually know who that fine gentleman is but i nope. assume he is going to go somewhere where i can actually take a few snaps <laughs> yeah yeah colin grunhard just get get again and if he was a walk on, he may have a chance to get a scholarship elsewhere. Like, go get yours, man. All right. And, and gro- going pro, uh, n- the first two are not shocks at all. Jeremiah Arusa Koromoa. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> He's going to make yeah. a ton of money. <laughs> Incredibly. Yeah. And and Aaron Banks is also heading out, leaving early for the NFL. Uh, again, not no surprise there. The, the yep. offensive line is going to be completely different next season, which, oh, God. Makes me nervous, but um, hoping the recruiting is paying off. But the, but the big surprise out of the leaving early for the NFL group, that's one Tommy Tremble. And, and Shane, the more I've thought about this is that I really think he feels like he hit his ceiling or, or maybe – Maybe not hit his ceiling is the wrong word. I think he got a good enough graft, uh, draft grade uh, that he said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and strike because there's this mayor kid yeah. that is going to be more of a focus than me running over fools, blocking and getting a handful of receptions here and there. I agree that that's probably the thought process. I think it's the wrong thought process. Um, Tommy Tremble would have still been able to be the bulldozing block monster next season. Absolutely. But also improve his fucking brick hands, man. Like that first contact, he constantly would drop passes that would be hitting him, you know, in the fingertips because he wouldn't be looking the pass in. He'd be worrying about making contact and looking up field. So I think, I think he could have benefited probably from one more year, but you know, like you said, it was probably good enough 
for him. So he said, fuck it. I'm out. And I mean, at this point, yeah, Michael Mayer is going to be the Tyler Eifert of 2021. It's going to be, you know, he's going to be the, oh my God, this will, this tight end might catch 10 touchdown passes this season. Could it, could it be, could it be? And then it will come close, but not happen. Um, but then, you know, like it, it, he's, he's, he's going to be unstoppable. So I think it makes sense in a way. I just don't think it was the right choice by Trevor. Yeah, I, I don't either. Uh, as far, because really, and especially in today's NFL, I mean, go take a look at the chiefs and take a look at what, who one of their best receivers is. It's a yeah. fucking tight end and, yep. and, and Kelsey's, you know, impossible to defend. And that's really the, the modern day NFL is, you know, you got to find your guy that can do it all. You got to find the guy that can murder somebody in a blocking scheme. Uh, but also be so much of a threat that you got to respect him and sometimes have to put a cornerback on him. You can't just throw a safety on him. You got to find somebody that could try to cover. It, it's yeah. an absolute mismatch when you get somebody with that kind of size that can do it. So I'm interested to see where he lands. I'm really hoping he, you know, apparently the uh, listening to the Irish Illustrated guys, they think he might have gotten a day two grade, which I, I hope is the case because, you know, I don't honestly see it. Not that I, you know, say that Trumbull sucks by any means. It's just, I don't know where he fits in today's NFL because he would be more like, Hey, you're, you're the number two or three tight end. We bring in to go into motion as a fullback, uh, you know, be lead blocker type of thing, which is a useful role, just not one that gets drafted very highly or sometimes drafted at all. So uh, I, I do hope he made the right decision for him. I mean, clearly he wants to play pro. Otherwise he wouldn't have done it. Uh, but it, I think this is the biggest one of the moves because really uh, of all the, the, the ones that we just listed, I think this radically changes the way Tommy Rees and Brian Kelly have to address the offense and have to approach the offense going forward because now you're you know, absolute uh, riches that you had and embarrassment of them and tight end are now gone for the most right. part. It's not, it's not that you have junk by any means, but it's not, you can't, you can't run three out there the whole time. I think they're going to have to go and, and other people have said this too. It's not just me coming out there. It's, you know, they're going to be more of the, what BK came in here with the traditional, you know, one tight end spread look three wide, four wide, a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna, it's just gonna have to, it's gonna change the the makeup of the offense. But I mean, that now is the time. I think also Tommy Trumbull recognizing he's gonna have to develop chemistry with a new quarterback. Like this, it's just like it, there, there are a lot of factors. So I mean, it, it's just it's it's a time for you know, uh, like a, a changing of the guard, as it were. And, and I mean, it, it's it's not. I'm never going to have a negative uh, reaction or perspective on a player making a decision about their their own future. They know what's best for themselves. All right. And to round out the there now, everybody could get a mulligan year if they wanted to, uh, but a lot of people are not using it. Uh, this is a longer list, so I'm just going to go through them. Uh, that is Robert Hainsey, uh, Skoranek, Ian Book, Dalen Hayes, Adio Gadeji, Liam Eichenberg, uh, Brock Wright, Nick McLeod, Javon McKinley, and Sean Crawford. And I think out of those folks, the only one that might be, oh, maybe he would have thought about it, about it might have been Brock Wright. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I honestly, I, I you know, I, I think all of them are ready to try to see what is what is going to happen at the next level right now. I mean, for shit's sakes, Sean Crawford is like 48. So, yeah, now's the yeah, time he, to try. He would have gotten a, a seventh year would have been available to him. Yeah, I and know. You know what? I think at a certain point, you're just like, you know what? 
I, I think I'm done hanging around college kids right now. <laughs> I like I have more tenure than some professors here. I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, we are still awaiting decisions on Josh Lug, Dylan Gibbons on the O line, linebacker Drew White, and wide receiver Avery Davis. We <sighs> have heard decisions from a couple other people, and these are the and they're both on the defensive line. And the first yeah. one, uh, they they apparently like Wolf of Wall Street over there because uh, Kirk <laughs> Heinish had a I'm not fucking leaving announcement. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was yep. great. Um, Pretty great, and that is you know, and especially with this was before you know knowing who the coordinator was going to be, and Heinish uh, already announced that he was going to come back. He was ready for one more ride, and and really, I think right off the bat, knowing that you're going to have a lot of people rotating in from that two deep, uh, having a steady presence in the interior was already a gigantic win for Notre Dame. Yeah, that's the strong Lewis Knicks committing when there was no head coach energy. Exactly. You know, uh, just 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 faith in being like, I'm going to be there and I'm going to kick ass. I don't care who's who's coaching. I don't care what it takes. See you next year. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's a huge that's a humongous get. I'm thrilled to have Heinish back. And uh, MTA, Myron Tagovailoa Mosa, also coming back. Uh, and he he did a little Wolf of Wall Street bit, too. He he did like a dance party thing. <laughs> yeah. He had a tweet earlier today uh, or earlier. Yeah, it was today that he did it. The 17th. It was today. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's another. And, and that one's almost bigger because that's a two deep move there because he's going to sure. be rotating with Jason Adamiola pretty pretty regularly so he's not a guaranteed starter but again knowing that you're going to have that kind of depth up there i think this one might be where you see freeman getting a win of bringing somebody back in that maybe thought it was time for them to either go elsewhere or maybe take their shot at at the next level of football and i i I feel like this is a recruiting win kind of the way this timing worked out yeah, if it's absolutely for sure a recruiting win. You want to start with proven commodities as your base on your team. You don't want to have to step in and hope that the uh, new arrivals are going to do it for you. You know, so this is exactly this is definitely a huge win. Yeah, and and that about wraps it up as far as roster moves. Obviously, there's a ton of them. We'll have some more as time goes on. But you know, like we were saying earlier, if if there was ever a season where we would actually have quite a hell of a lot of intrigue with spring football, this would be one of them. And hopefully, you know, Notre Dame has not made any announcements uh, right now as far as what they are doing with vaccines, how they are going to be able to prioritize it, uh, if the decision is going to be left up to them uh or if the state of indiana and the indiana health department is going to say it's got to go you know you got to go this group this group this group and athletics will not be a priority we have no earthly idea so there's going to be a lot of real world bullshit that's going to get in here that we would wish we didn't have to pay attention to uh that bleeds into the football unfortunately there's just no way around it uh and you know the hope is is that you know, uh, promises are, are kept uh, next week of, of this ramp up that we've been hearing about. And then all of a sudden we can take a look and, you know, once March and April come, it's not nearly as much of a concern as it was. Oh, say back in this past summer. Yep. Yeah. I'm also planning a wedding in May. So please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's all. Oh God, that's I all about society that. agree, Shit. you know, to get our shit together. 
Well, I, I won't lie. You know, when when I look at the news, and, and honestly, sometimes when I'm, I'm walking around and you know seeing how other people kind of act in my neck of the woods, it's just like, yep. Am I going to be able to get my kid into school next year? Like this, this is a legitimate question. Or am I going to be Ex- virtual learning for a while? <laughs> Yeah, it's extremely discouraging to be staring down the possibility that other people's stubborn acidness could cost you a lifestyle. Yeah, it's <sighs> it's been a, a rough thing. Obviously, we had our our brush with COVID, uh, you know, within my household with uh, Mrs. Tex getting it, uh, yes. you know, and, you know, thankfully, she's had to make a couple trips home uh, for, you know, important reasons. And it's always annoying to where you have to, hey, need to go up there for family and then having to get a, a COVID test when you get back home. It's just a, a weird, a weird thing that is now become a normal thing. And it's I would like that to not be normal anymore yeah i would agree with you 100 yeah, so uh shane i think it's about time that we, we take a little bit of a winner's nap now i could not possibly agree more <laughs> yeah we are tired it is a time it is time to hibernate i think and just really re- like reach recoil into a cold but also well insulated corner of a cave and sleep yeah, we will have there. There will be stuff. Uh, it may not all be podcast related, as as usual. I got things floating around in my head, but uh, I, I'm going to be smart about it. Uh, one thing I, I'm making sure I'm doing this in 2021, as far as a New Year's resolution, is taking things one step at a time and not getting ahead of myself. So okay. I ain't gonna promise shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yep. I will just say I have ideas, but right now priority number one is getting this computer that's dead behind me back up and running with the motherboard and cleaning up all my files, my soundboard, Twitch, everything like that's all happening first before I do anything. <laughs> and then we'll see what kind of fun we could have. And, and who knows, maybe we'll, we'll have a, some kind of other shenanigans uh, either on Twitch or on the podcast. But uh, I, I am looking forward to hopefully uh this being a little bit more fun and not being a stress type, the uh, it's like, well, what, what are the what are the COVID headlines for today? Who's out? Who's out oh, in this fuck. team? Yeah, <laughs> like that no. that made things woefully more exhausting this season than I ever expected personally. I can only imagine. All right, yeah, well, folks, it, I think that's going to end it. Shane, it was a great season with you, sir. Yeah, yeah, it was a long, long one just because it just felt like any it should have ended at any moment, but it just never did. Uh, but you know, it was also a great one. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really fun one to experience with you, man. I, I, I'm glad, I'm glad we rode through this together. Yeah. Same, my friend, uh, always a good time. And, and for everybody that listened, uh, to the pod as well, I hope we were some form of a distraction and entertainment and, and maybe a sense of some kind of normalcy, whether it was a podcast, uh, the, the wild ass sim or whatever else we happen to do. Yeah. I hope it was able to put a smile on your face and, and we're going to keep on doing it we will be back at some later point but until now thank you so much hopefully soon you will see us back over at twitch.tv slash her little sons but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can definitely get that content whenever it's released over at apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher wherever you happen to get your podcasts at come join us in that long off season in discord her slash discord and of course you can always find us over at her until next time y'all stay safe go irish beat covid Have a good one.